Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Strike Commando and Captain America. I'm guessing it's not the recent good one. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Because to, to, like, hold them accountable for it, like, the whole point of holding somebody accountable for things they say that are wrong is, like, supposed to be to teach them a lesson. He seems to have learned his lesson. I mean, yeah. But the lesson he learned was you don't beat a random black person to death? Like... <laughs> right. I don't yeah. think you're supposed to have to learn that lesson. <laughs> well, I think I think it's more of don't marginalize an entire group of people because one person did something very horrible to somebody you care about. Yeah, yeah, that's the lesson. And that is a lesson that people need to learn, whether you think people should need to learn that lesson or not. Many, many people group uh, everyone of a certain race or gender or whatever with the perpetrators of a crime mm-hmm. happens all the time so yeah it was just a very odd thing to come out and it's like you said this in an interview like you literally i don't you know i wasn't even a direct question like no, no. It, was, it was unprompted entirely it was voluntary yeah. it was just it was like so new movie coming out are you excited well this one time i did think about killing a black man <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> Could you elaborate? Sure. I'll go on and on about it. Yeah. It was, it's truly odd the way it came out. And then he's just like, I'm not backing off. Like I admit I had negative feelings at one point. And it's like, it's kind of a stand up thing to do to not just like try to cover it up. But I don't know why I could probably the smart thing to do would have been to just not say anything ever. Yeah. It's, it is a weird scenario. Like you said, he, he explained that he wanted to do it, even carrying around. See, I'd heard like a police baton or something. Yeah, uh, uh, around with him, waiting for someone to antagonize him so he could just go off. But then realized this is a horrible, horrible thing, and I was way out of line. And this was obviously like uh, just a heated emotional response on my part, and that was completely wrong. But he's still like, people are still kind of like, but Liam, that's that's really bad. <laughs> it is it is a weird scenario. Like I don't know what you're supposed to do or say in this. Yeah. Like if I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's such a strange thing. <laughs> I was gonna say all of the comparisons I can think to make to that. I don't want to say them out loud because they're all awful. <laughs> yeah. And so when you think something is awful, you choose not to say it out loud in public? 
It depends. If I, think it's, if I think it's awful and it's funny, I will absolutely say it. If I just think it's awful, no, that's why. <laughs> well, in the interest of fairness, I, I've only read Liam Neeson's comments. I've not listened to them out loud, so it's plausible that he was being sarcastic and he thinks this is hilarious, but I don't think so. That's not how it came across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very much... I don't know. <laughs> It's such a weird circle that it's like I don't I don't know. Again, he's he's talking about how horrible it was, and it was obviously not the right way to feel. It was just a horrible situation. I, but at the same really, time, what the fuck? He even said that, he went, that he's going to expand even more on it. And it's going to get worse, and he's going to be like, "Why do you guys think I live on a mountain? I moved somewhere where there aren't any, so I wouldn't be tempted." And it's like, "Oh no, Liam Neeson, no!" <laughs> he even says though that he sought like guidance from a priest and stuff to help him get past it. And I'm like, "Well, that's exactly what people would tell you to do: is find some spiritual counseling or whatever." Yeah, I mean. It's like he corrected every it in a way you're supposed to correct it before anybody even knew about it. But then so, why, did he, so why did he tell people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you went through anybody's brain, if we had the ability, like, this is a Black Mirror episode waiting to happen, but if you went through everybody's brain and took every thought they'd had in their entire lives mm-hmm. that, had ne- that they'd never been, like, physically acted on and no, nothing, there'd been no consequence, you just knew every thought. Everybody's probably had horrible thoughts. Oh, yeah. Oh, just we you, don't later just you would be traumatized before you made it through the first person. Yeah, like yeah. so you just don't tell people about those thoughts years later when they don't need to know. Don't traumatize yeah. people unnecessarily. I mean to be a hundred percent honest, if there was just a machine that could pull out every thought that you've ever had and just play them back to you, you would probably die. Like, oh j- yeah. I don't I don't like, like I don't oh my god, people. I actually thought that. <laughs> I don't like people very much. You just have to go with like the thoughts I've had in the last week, and I'd be like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't." Have. <laughs> I'm sure there's something somewhere in there. Oh, Liam, what are you doing? Liam Neeson's being racist. Ah, <laughs> uh, motherfucker. Tooken, Tooken too. <laughs> well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, we should we should let our listeners know that we care about them so much that we're celebrating Valentine's Day by being here together recording this instead of any one of us being with the women in our lives. Yeah. Listen, I love you both. I love her more, but I do love you both. <laughs> so I hope there's a butt coming in that set. <laughs> this is the weirdest coming out ever. <laughs> no, not that way. Just in my homie podcast way. All right. I love Fair all enough. my homie podcast people. Are we, I, I think it's weird that I'm being described as homie co- podcast people. That, that part's also weird. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> A lot of this is strange to me now. Podcast Bromeo? <laughs> is that better? I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what anything means anymore. No. In the world where Liam Neeson is now racist, I don't I don't know what's going on. No, Liam Neeson is a recovered racist. He was racist. Now he's not anymore. And he acknowledges that being racist was wrong, but he feels the need to tell us all about the time he did it. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> fucking weird. 
because even like you could tell even the studio didn't know how to handle it they're like well we'll still put out your movie but you don't get to have a red carpet at the premiere they're like is that did, did we do that right like they have no idea <laughs> yeah it's like it's like when you're like hanging out with somebody you don't know that well and they tell you some deep dark secret that has nothing to do with the conversation you're having and you're like not cool dude i didn't like i didn't need that like you're sit you're sitting there talking and you're like oh man that's a cool t-shirt and they're like yeah i had a dark period in my 20s where i fell into alcoholism and you're like what the fuck (laughs) dude (laughs) that's something you bring up whenever i'm like hey you want to have a beer and you're like oh no man there was all this bad stuff, and, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I brought it up." But whenever I'm pointing at a cool T-shirt and you bring up your weird dark shit, <laughs> need that dark shit. Do you think? Because he, he more than likely had a publicist with him if he was promoting his movie. <laughs> Do you think if there's like video of this in the background, you just see her like freaking out? Oh yeah. And then just like, oh fuck, and then like stringing a rope up like over a beam, <laughs> just like, well. Just, might as well kill myself now. All I'm imagining is her face melting like the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and it just keeps cutting back to it getting worse and worse as he keeps talking. I feel like there'd be like a Daily Show meme where she'd be like in the background scribbling something down and then you cut to the picture of it and it's just a resignation letter <laughs> from being his publicist. <laughs> Hey, you know who doesn't randomly say racist things on interviews? Who? Who? Brett Brown. What? I, I accept that. <laughs> Probably. Since that, is he even still alive? Uh, although, yes. I believe he's still working, actually. Yeah. I'll be 100% honest. I can't 100% say he's never said anything racist <laughs> in public, so. Never know. It's it's not exactly like whenever you look up famous quotes, number two is Red Brown. <laughs> if no one doesn't know Red Brown quotes, quotes nobody does. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Although some somewhere near number thirty is just Chakota. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, why don't you start us off by telling us about Strike Commando? Yes. So, correction, I did say Strike Force. I was mixing up two of the titles. One of the other titles is Cobra Force. This movie has like 45 titles. It does have like 45 titles. (laughs) It's super weird. And it has a bunch of titles that were only used in other countries, but they're English titles, which is fucking even weirder. Indeed. Like, 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 it'll have a title that was only used for the German home video release, but it's an English title. Why would they do that? I don't understand. Hey, tell me, man. Uh, So this is a completely unrealistic movie about uh, an American guy and a Russian guy waging a proxy war in Vietnam and causing the deaths of a whole lot of innocent people. (laughs) Completely unrealistic. (laughs) But... uh, Reb Brown is the leader of an elite tactical squad. What's Reb Brown's name? Oh, fuck. I can't even remember. Michael Ransom. That's right. Michael Ransom. (laughs) Damn it, Ransom. I'll let you go back in, but it's completely off the books. You'll be disavowed. 
they go in. They do a bunch of shit. Uh, he wants to go back. They send him back. <laughs> Bas- basically, it's all just an excuse for him and uh, the Russian guy to go toe-to-toe. The first half of the movie is Red Brown walking through the jungle fighting random bad guys as we learn about who the true bad guys are. In the second half of the movie is Red Brown running around screaming Jakota and killing people. Yeah, essentially somebody saw the Rambo series and then just kind of recited it back off memory, having not seen it since theaters, and then somebody just jotted down notes and called that a script. Right. They were like, what we will do is combine the worst parts of Rambo and the worst parts of Commando. Put put them together. What do we get? Michael Ransom. (laughs) So I do do feel like that uh, Reb Brown thought he was in a different movie in this movie. Well, he, I, tries, he tries to be like super dramatic during some of his scenes, and I'm like, dude, that's that's not that's not what they're doing. Here. So, look, in order to address that comment, I have to ask a question, and hopefully, one of you two knows the answer to this. But okay, is this movie a like a Hot Shots type parody of action movies, or is this movie an actual action movie? Uh, this movie is an actual action movie. This is oh, okay. technically not a comedy. <laughs> They should have put a lot less slapstick comedy in it then. <laughs> um, but we'll get we'll get into that. Bad bad stunts versus slapstick comedy. Then line. Then line. There's like a scene where the two main characters charge at each other and just literally slam heads together as part of some sort of weird fight maneuver. <laughs> if that's not intended to be comedy, I don't know what it is. Listen, have you never got really angry at someone and decided to have a full bore sprint headbutt fight? <laughs> no. no. I don't know. That just that seems so realistic to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 you guys talk. I like this movie a lot. Shocking. But I'll let I'll let you guys talk. I mean, it, here's the thing: it's not a good movie. But oh, no, no, we know that much. Yeah, but it's it's so fucking fun to watch this movie, and I think it actually gets funnier when you watch it more than one time. Yeah, I just feel like Red Brown thought like, okay, this Disneyland monologue that I got with this kid, this is going to be like, we're going to submit this for an Oscar. This is going to be amazing. So he's trying to be all serious about it. And then when that kid dies, spoiler alert, <laughs> it's just, he does the typical throw your hands up and look at the, look at the sky. He's like, no! But he doesn't I'm, do it well. American! <laughs> American! Tell me about Disneyland. And who the fuck wrote that monologue about Disneyland? I gotta know this, because he's talking about Disneyland and he just babbles on and on about popcorn as if that's the most exciting thing that they have at Disneyland. And clearly he's never been to Disneyland. He doesn't know anything about Disneyland. <laughs> he's talking about he's he's talking about you climb a tree and you get the popcorn from down from the tree. I don't is that like why would you lie to people and say that there's popcorn in trees in Disneyland? How would anyone find that enjoyable? 
Popcorn right. is not hard to come by anywhere in the world. Anybody can get popcorn easier than climbing a tree. He's like, and there's a magic lamp. And the Gino grant all your wishes. How fucking weird is it that it's like this movie is set in the 70s. It's filmed in the 80s. And he's babbling about Aladdin, which was popular in neither of those two eras. <laughs> Didn't come out to the 90s. <laughs> what the fuck is going on in this movie? He literally brings up Aladdin like several times. And you're like, no one in 1987 knew what Aladdin was. <laughs> well, the, the script supervisor was probably like the director's fuck up nephew that his sister forced him to give a job. <laughs> Well, okay, this director made four movies in 1987 while prepping to make five movies in 1988. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much time and effort he was putting into each of these films. <laughs> Lots of explosions and stuff, though, which is kind of impressive for a movie like this. They definitely had some sort of a budget and or were just willing to kill innocent Filipino people in order to get a shot. <laughs> So the, the basic plot of the movie is they go in to co do some covert operation on the understanding that like the American military is going to send people into a, in during Vietnam to do something, but you got like seven minutes to get it done. And if you're not done in seven minutes, we're blowing the whole place up with you guys inside it. That's our opening scene. <laughs> Followed by Reb Brown being the only one who lives, makes it back, and they're... And it's... it's so he makes it back, and he's like, okay, while I was on my way back, I found some innocent Vietnamese people that I'd like to go back and save. And they're like, we can't do it. And he's like, but there's Russians there. And they're like, whoa, we can do that. But this this physical proof of Russians being there, the part of a uniform that you brought back, is not good enough. We also need photographs. So we'll send you back in to take pictures of the Russians. But then you're also on your own. Yeah, like, but then you're on your own. because we can't send an American soldier into Vietnam during the Vietnam War officially. So we have to lie about sending Americans into Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Weren't there hundreds of thousands of Americans in <laughs> Vietnam during the Vietnam War? What? Why would you have to? Why can't you send one more? You do not understand the rules of war, Americanski. <laughs> Uh, yeah, lots of horrible Russian accents as well. Yeah. And the Amerikansky thing, I'm like, that's where I'm like, when the big fight started, and I started thinking maybe this movie's been a parody the whole time, I'm like, oh, that's what the Amerikansky thing's about. It's because it's a parody of fake Russian accents. But no, you're, from what you're telling me is that they were actually trying to do a Russian accent, and that's what they came up with. <laughs> and is it just me, or is Everyone in this fucking movie dubbed except for Red Brown. Yeah, I think they are. I think they all are. I don't think any yes. of the other people spoke English. I don't like because a lot of like because this is the the semi racism of the eighties is that you could film a movie in the Philippines and call it Vietnam, and most of these people probably don't speak English or Vietnamese. They only speak Filipino or whatever the appropriate language is that they speak in the Philippines, and so I think they just dubbed over their they're speaking because they never bothered to kind of like find actors that actually spoke a language that they needed in the movie. Probably true. So a common plot device in these types of uh, Rambo-esque movies is the main character getting trapped in some kind of a prison and, and mm -hmm. tortured. Mm -hmm. Now, is is it a common trope because they used it 
five or six times in this one movie is they just like ramped those numbers up so that the percentage of times that happens in a movie is actually artificially inflated. I actually think you might be onto something. Like if you take this movie out of the discussion of how many times uh, in horror movies people are trapped and tortured, I think you would have a serious re- reduction in the stats. So. <laughs> There is a lot of time spent on really poorly done torture scenes in this movie. Right. Now, I will say one of the the highlights of the movie for me was definitely the psychological torture that they tried to put on Michael Ransom when they so they've got they throw him in a jail cell with another POW and they realize like the physical torture isn't working because Ransom's like too muscular and therefore the physical torture just doesn't work on him so they literally just kill his cellmate and leave him locked in the cell with the dead body for extended periods of time as a form of psychological torture and i'm like that is some weird dark shit that in a good movie could be very impactful and if like if there was i don't know an actor or a director or a writer on this movie one of them probably could have made something really cool out of this that's a really good idea well, I mean, when you've got Captain America in the starring role, <laughs> what else do you need? Oh, man. That scene when he finally, when they put him in, the, so they're trying to get him to, I'm assuming some of the listeners haven't seen this, so I'm recapping some of the plot. as I, <laughs> But, like, if you, uh, there's this, they're trying to get him to broadcast over the, like, over, like, a radio signal to try and, like, I don't know, what, what do you call it, like, He's trying to demotivate the American troops by having an actual yeah. American tell them that, hey, we're beat. There's no way we can beat these guys and yeah. stuff. And that's part of the purpose of this torture is to get him to do that. And when they finally put him down in front of it, he's like, and then at the last minute, he instead of it, he starts yelling like very like pro-America stuff into the microphone and everyone's shocked, which nobody would, should have been shocked. <laughs> when he does that and then he jumps up and he just starts doing the like cheesy 80s almost a cartoon level fight scene where he's just like he literally does the thing where he punches two guys at once once on either side of him <laughs> and they both just go down from one punch that is some of the most ridiculous stuff i've ever seen in a movie and <laughs> we've been doing this podcast for a while that's that's an accomplishment i i was gonna say there's there's a lot of things. Uh, I know we've we've had other movies with uh, rocket launchers where the power of the rocket launcher is definitely in question. But this one, he does shoot a guy with a grenade launcher from literally three feet away. <laughs> and it manages to basically vaporize the guy, destroy the desk, and not scratch him slightly. <laughs> By the time that happened, I was just okay with it in this movie. You know why? Because he's Michael fucking Ransom, that's why. Yeah, Michael Ransom. <laughs> Damn it, Ransom pulled it off again. Uh, yeah, we should mention that his uh, general or captain or whatever that fucking guy was does not want which, him to which, return. Is it, are you talking about the Colonel Troutman stand-in or the other guy? The other guy that's the stand-in from the other character from Rambo 2, the, whose name I don't remember. Uh, the other guy who's evil at the end. Yeah, yeah. Because that was like the Rambo 2 thing, right? They had the Troutman was working with those CIA guys, and the CIA guys didn't want Rambo to come back when because he was bringing back actual POWs. Hmm. Do you guys remember Rambo 2 very well? Honestly, it's been forever since I've seen Rambo 2. Well, okay. 
I own it though, and, I, and this movie really made me want to go watch the Rambo movie. Like, so. uh, like the whole thing of sending a guy in, and we're, we're disavowing you. You're on your own. We're sending you in just to take pictures and bring them back. That's the plot of Rambo Two, which is like the main plot point in this movie as well. And the whole thing with to the point where the room kind of looks the same, where the guys are hanging out, and Colonel Troutman is like the one guy that wants Rambo to make it, and the other guys are like, "Ah, I hope he doesn't come back because if he comes back, we might actually get dragged into this war." Kind of thing. That's mm. all from Rambo Two. It's like I can... the guys even look like the guys from Rambo Two. It's fascinating. I can honestly say I've seen Rainbow Two maybe three times, but I've seen Hot Shots Part D <laughs> about fifteen times. So all knowledge of Rainbow Two is completely distorted and ruined by that exposure. Well, if you if you were to watch this movie back to back with Rainbow Two, you'd realize that they're very very similar. With the exception of when Rambo is caught and tortured, I believe they're using some of the torture techniques from Rambo 3 with the electric cage thing mm. to throw him up against. And I forget how they electrocuted him in Rambo 2, but I don't think it was the same method. Uh, does yeah. Rambo punch a grenade into a guy's mouth so it gets stuck between his teeth? I think not. No, he comes close in that movie, though. He does shoot guys with exploding head arrows from not very far away. <laughs> Interesting thing is, Rambo 2 wasn't made until a couple years after this movie. That can't be right, is it? 1985, says Rambo oh. First Blood Part 2. Oh yeah, my god, Strike Rambo Commando. 2 aped <laughs> Strike, oh, Strike, Commando. Strike Commando's 87. Is it? Yeah. I thought so it was movie, like 82 this, or something. This movie is literally like people started making it the day after they saw Rambo 2 in theaters. Oh, you're right. For some reason, I was thinking it was like 1982 like or something when this movie came out. No, you just want it to be further away. I was going to say, Brian just blew the lid off this motherfucker. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> thing is, I did not realize there was a Strike Commando 2. Yes. Indeed. Although, I don't believe it has Red Brown in it, right? No. It's got somebody else in the lead. It doesn't. Oh. Brent Huff plays Michael Ransom. Really? They recast Michael Ransom because they thought the star power of that name was just something you couldn't let go? So let's see. Michael Ransom's Vietnam squad leader, Vic Jenkins, is captured by terrorists demanding $10 million worth of diamonds in return for his release. Michael, reluctantly aided by local tough girl, Rosanna Boom, oh Jesus, is dispatched by the CIA to recapture Jenkins and put a stop to his heroin smuggling captors. But not all is as is as it appears. You know, in Rambo three, it's Colonel Troutman gets kidnapped. And Rambo gets called in by the CIA to go rescue him, right? So that's awfully <laughs> close to like they just ripped off the next Rambo movie for Strike Command too. Like <laughs> I can't wait. They're making their new Rambo movie comes out soon. I can't wait for the new Strike Commando to come out. Now, to be it's, fair, it's not a rip off at all. Uh, their movie is part three, and this movie is part two. To yeah. be fair, to Strike Commando 2, Strike Commando 2 and Rambo 3 came out in the same year. Oh, shit. It was just serendipity. No, I'm not saying no, like Rambo 3 didn't come months. out in January, and they didn't shoot Strike Commando 2 to come out like in October or something, but... Yeah, I think Straight Commando 2, say it's an hour and a half long, takes about three and a half hours to film and make, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Interesting. Well, now I want to watch Strike Commando too, just because. I don't. This has to be sure, like insanity. Yeah, this guy looks nothing like Red Brown either. Oh, that's good. So it might not have been Strike Commando Two. It might have been something else, and then they just redubbed the name over to be Michael Ransom, <laughs> so they could call it this. Possible. Also, it looks like it was shot on video, which makes it even better. I've I've always liked the fact that so so Red Brown, while like I get it, you know, <laughs> there are people who aren't that into Red Brown. But as far as casting him in this, like he was kind of typecast as this action hero guy, and his physicality's okay, especially in like his better movies. It's it's all right, but Red Brown does not have that deep, grisly action star voice, you know, <laughs> like know. like an Arnold or Stallone or something. He's got this <laughs> real whiny sounding like Luke Skywalker voice. You have no idea how much now I want to hear like Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the Disneyland speech. <laughs> Get to the lamp. Get to the lamp now. Good lord. <sighs> the good news is his career's got so weird now you could probably pay him a little bit of money and he would do it. <laughs> Apparently, he's really pushing for that King Conan movie now. So. I'd watch that. Jakarta! <laughs> <sighs> I love it's just there's literally a five minute scene of this movie where that is the only line. It is, <laughs> it is Red Brown screaming Jakarta and just like randomly doing things. He'd be like, Jakarta! And then he steps out from behind a tree and like shoots a machine gun at nothing. And then it's like him rolling, and then Jakarta! He throws a grenade, and then Jesus. I, I, I want. There are I, no I bad guys. Who's he killing? Who's he shooting at? Well, they didn't have the budget to edit in the bad guys. But here's the thing: uh, for the listeners' sake who haven't seen this movie, everything Noah just said is factually accurate. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is a matter of opinion, but yes, the scene of him running around the woods for five minutes yelling the guy's name and shooting randomly, yeah, no, that, that happened. That happens. There's, there's also a scene that's, that, once again, is way too long. It's a, it's a solid two or three minutes of him running across the ridge of a rice field while literally, what, 40 to 50 guys are shooting machine guns at him and four squads of mortar troops are firing mortars at him. Doesn't yeah. get hit. Doesn't get hit a single time. Well, he runs in a straight line, which is how you confuse people, so they won't know how to hit you. Right. <laughs> That's the key. You run in a straight line in a wide open area, and that way nobody will be able to shoot at you. But that. The trick to firing mortars, you never lead the target. You shoot it exactly where they were when you fired it. Yeah. <laughs> Alternatively, you can just shoot like way closer to you than the target is, or way too far. Those are other strategies that work really well. Right. But apparently they were super accurate because every one of the mortar explosions hit exactly that ridge and pretty much exactly four and a half feet behind him. <laughs> <laughs> And while that's some good timing on the movie's uh, demolition squad, not much for real. <laughs> not much for realism. I don't think that's the way that wars happen. 
Well, wars don't generally involve just one guy running around a rice field. I can all agree with that. Not usually, unless you're John Rambo or Michael Ransom. They didn't even have the decency to name him John like you're supposed to do in these movies. <laughs> they should have named him Max Ransom. <sighs> What? Why ransom? Why do you guys think that they picked ransom? Because everybody knows ransom's a real word and it has real meaning, and it doesn't apply at all in the circumstances. So why not just either have a last name that isn't a word, or you know, one that matters? That is that is, it's literally just one hundred percent. That is an eighties action hero name. I I think back then they did not have the technology for this, but. Perhaps some precursor of a giant computer that takes up an entire room. Some nerd programmed a random movie hero name generator. <laughs> it was later bought by Canon. Yeah, and they're like, why does that pop out the first name John almost every fucking time? <laughs> hey man, one time they didn't. They decided not to use that. We had to watch whole, two whole movies about a guy named Casey Ryback. So. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be glad for they had that machine. Anyways, Strike Commando. Hi, recommend. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe if you're high, it would be a recommend. <laughs> that is a very accurate response. <laughs> I have a feeling this movie would be would be a lot more fun to watch if you were intoxicated in some way. If you had some uh, beers and some friends, this would be a lot of fun to watch by I yourself. Think so. Not great. No, I mean it's. Uh, there were some. There were some. At least a few laugh out loud moments, and I still don't know if those were intentionally laugh out loud or not. I tried to get you guys to clarify that for me, and you were unable to do so. I believe the answer uh, to that is no. They are not intentional. And I think that again, this is where our perspectives are going to differ, Noah. But for me, that hurts the film. When you're not trying to be funny and you are anyway, <laughs> that's a criticism from my perspective. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't. I don't I, understand your language. Yeah, I, I know. We we go through this part every week. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know if I could recommend somebody watch this movie as a good movie, but as just a batshit insane movie, it pulls off being batshit and insane at the same time. So good for it. <laughs> He punches a grenade into a guy's mouth. I know, but you're telling me this isn't a parody, that this is supposed to be an action movie. And in an action movie, that's really fucking dumb. In a parody, it's kind of funny. See, once again, I don't think that's true. I think it is uh, just the film. I think if you had a good director and it was Arnold Schwarzenegger punching a grenade into a guy's mouth, everybody would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck okay. Yes, the movie would be better if they had a good director and a good actor in the lead role. I mean, that, that, that seems to go without say, um, but uh, that's not what we got here. So, like I say, that fight scene when the when Reb Brown and the giant Russian cartoon man finally do go, <laughs> like, when they show up and they look at each other and it's like, let's just put down our guns and just fist fight. And you're like, okay, like that is pretty typical '80s action movie stuff. I can live with that. But that fight scene is just, like I say, I legitimately, that's when I went, I, this might be a parody movie, and maybe I've been judging it wrong this whole time. 
because they do just charge at each other and slam heads. <laughs> and then he throws the guy off a cliff into a lake. Because that's the other thing. This movie totally abides by the 80s logic, which was primarily reserved for television, but it does apply to 80s movies, which is if you throw a guy in water, that's it, he's done. He's out of the fight. Because <laughs> there are lots of scenes of him like attacking a boat and just pushing guys off, and the minute they hit the water, he just turns his back to them, despite the fact that they're now just slightly behind him, a little bit angry at him and holding a gun, but they're no longer a threat because they're in the water. <laughs> and that's how you end a fight in the 80s. But True. That boat fight scene is also uh, very pivotal because it's how they establish the fact that his gun has the grenade launcher on it because he blows yeah. up the bridge. <laughs> Once again, grenade launcher, big distance, blows up the entire bridge. <laughs> Grenade launcher, tiny hallway, <laughs> blows up a desk and one guy. <laughs> it is funny, though, because he does swim out to the boat and get on it and then demonstrate that he has the ability to just shoot things from a distance with his grenade launcher. So he could have just shot the boat from shore and everything would have been fine. <laughs> I did well, look at it. I did well, look now at you're the just sea. finding plot holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to track a couple down. <laughs> I did look up to see if there was a Rift Tracks version of Strike Commando. Because oh, yeah. if there was, then yeah, instant watch. But there's not. Like I said, I do. I agree with you guys that it's probably a better group movie. This is a good, like, Saturday night, have some friends over, make some snacks, and watch Red Brown scream Chakota for 20 minutes. <laughs> It's a good time. On the other hand, if you're like me and you live off of this garbage, <laughs> I recommend. All right. All right. Well, I, I think we've made our, our opinions clear. <laughs> and as per the usual, we're just at this standstill. <laughs> well, why don't we move on to the 1979 version of Captain America, starring once again. Red Brown. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all of those who oppose the might of throw must yield. <laughs> I love that cartoon. Okay, continue. You know what, Noah? I was going to recap this one. But since <laughs> you started singing, why don't you tell us what Captain America is about? <laughs> That's your punishment for singing. Captain America is about chill dude Steve Rogers. Jesus Christ. Who's super, super chill. And an ex-Marine, but super chill. Driving down the coast in his van. And it's a pretty dope van. Did we mention that? It is a pretty dope van. <laughs> I really dug his van. It gets more dope later, but it's a pretty dope van. Right. Uh, so somebody attempts to murder him. He, he takes that pretty much in stride. <laughs> like I said. Steve Rogers, super chill dude. Uh, he finds out that his father was working on some kind of secret project where his dad had been injecting himself with some super serum called Flag, which gave him better strength and things, and people called him Captain America. Ah, hint, hint. A wink, a wink. <laughs> also, it makes rats able to lift tiny weights. <laughs> 
very impressive. Uh, people continue to attempt to kill Steve. They also attempted to kill, apparently, everyone Steve meets ever. <laughs> it's a little convoluted, to be honest. It is weird that they're like, you know what? This Steve Rogers is probably related to the scientist that made that super serum. And there is a possibility, maybe, possibly, at some point, he may want to take that super serum, even though he has shown no interest in his dad's work whatsoever. So we should probably try to kill him. And has actually declined to use the serum several <laughs> times. Uh, what else happens? A friend of his is murdered. It appears that something was stolen or at least rooted through in the office, although nobody seems to want to admit what it was. They attempt to murder Steve again! And this time, uh, mostly succeed, I suppose. Yeah. I'm like, they've they, they fuck old Steve up pretty good. Uh, he's basically declared uh, legally dead, I do believe is what they're saying. I'm, I'm assuming they mean he's brain dead or something, but they're pretty vague. He's like laying there breathing all the machines say he's alive, and they're like, nope, he's a goner. <laughs> so doctor's like, I'm taking this shit into my own hands. Shoots him up with the flag serum. Next day, perfectly fine. Now, Super Steve, Captain America, and... Super chill, dude. <laughs> we find out that the weird subplots involving murder are all actually like a really convoluted, weird fucking plot to get a nuclear warhead. Is that... It's it's weird. It's, it's a, yeah, some sort of plots that create their own neutrogen bomb or something. Yeah, that's right. It's like a neutrino bomb. It's some made-up gobbledygook bullshit bomb that can do more damage than normal bombs. Didn't they say it can only affect humans? It doesn't affect anything else? Yeah, something like something that. It just, it just kills people. Uh, so they decide they need to outfit Steve and put him to work attempting to stop this. They give him a costume that is basically the spandex version of Evil Knievel's outfit with the colors inverted. <laughs> Well, it, yeah, but the first, first they they trick out his van that, so that it has a secret compartment for a jet motorcycle. Because if you're a fan of Captain America, first image that comes to mind is, of course, his jet-powered motorcycle that he tools around on. Indeed, and his weird plastic see-through shield. <laughs> That he's like, which is also a deadly weapon. Watch. And he like throws it, and it's like a 30-second thing of it just going whoa, 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 <laughs> just in the air doing nothing. And then it slowly comes back and he catches it. And that looks like the most awkward thing to throw. The guy that threw it has like the most like that had to be like the 50th take of him trying to throw that damn thing. And I do like the fact that after watching it. They most certainly pay tribute to this movie in uh, Captain uh, Captain oh, America: yeah, The do. First Adventure. First Adventure, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking it's really cool. I I like the fact that they were like, so this is what they did in that seventies movie, but like not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely did it because they show yeah he gets his rocket powered motorcycle, 
which is built into the weird console thing inside of his van. It's like, yeah, we did something, and it's like, pretty much, it looks like the console thing just like falls apart because it doesn't very smoothly like open. And then, yeah, rocket-powered motorcycle in there. And, you know, when he's riding it, he puts a shield, like, right up on the handlebars. So it's like a windshield. And they totally did that in the Captain America movie with Chris Evans. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And basically, the rest of the movie is Captain... Oh, did we mention the fact that that for some reason, instead of his costume hat, he's wearing a motorcycle helmet that is just painted kind of Captain America-esque. <laughs> I, no. just, I just want to make sure that everyone who has not seen this movie understands exactly how <laughs> inaccurate this costume is. It is not not, not even close. close. Yeah, it is not close. He looks like Evil Knievel at a Marvel event. Like, that's yeah. all I can think of. They definitely felt like they had to dumb this movie down because they were afraid people would get it. But besides the cheesy special effects and the convoluted plot, it's a pretty fun movie. I mean, especially especially for like made for TV. Mm-hmm. Some of the the action scenes are pretty fun. I like the scene where he's uh, testing out the motorcycle for the first time, and of course, a random helicopter shows up to attempt to murder him again. <laughs> And then he just drives up the the mysteriously placed ramp and then jumps on the helicopter. Right. There were a lot of ramps around in the 70s and 80s for people to use for jumping as needed. Right. Luckily, we just drove into the Dukes of Hazard set. (laughs) Uh, So, Doug, did you end up being able to watch this movie? I was completely unable to watch this movie. This movie, uh, I do not believe, has Canadian distribution. <laughs> I guess they figured nobody outside of America would want to watch a Captain America movie. I'm not sure. But there's no streaming services providing this. It's not available through Amazon.ca. There's nowhere to rent it that I could find. I even... I don't like to admit this, but I even went to some uh, gray market areas and went to see if I could find a copy of it. Not even there. <laughs> I went to use stores around town no copies available uh, so I got the two pack of this and then the sequel on DVD yeah hell, hell yeah that seems to be the only way to get it I think uh, is, like on DVD is to buy the two pack mm-hmm. but uh, well, the funny thing is I own it shipped to me by the time uh, we we're recording so yeah Funny thing is, I own it, but I wasn't going to have time to watch it when I got home, so I rented it off Voodoo. I probably paid more for the rental than I did for the DVD pack. Yeah, uh, well, I, I know I, I bought it off Voodoo a while back, and I know mm-hmm. I paid more for my digital Voodoo copy of the first movie than for both DVDs, yeah. <laughs> which is upsetting. <laughs> uh, did you? Did you happen to take a look at a part two there? No, at all? but I definitely do want to because um, I will say I found this enjoyable in the way that I would enjoy, uh, and I haven't rewatched them, so this may be wrong, but I feel like I enjoyed it the way I would enjoy the '70s Spider-Man TV show, right? Right, the, or uh, the, uh, the made-for-TV Hulk movies. Yeah, the Incredible Hulk stuff. 
So, I mean, I was able to enjoy it on that aspect. Uh, like you said, they got pretty much everything completely wrong as far as Captain America goes in this, but right. I was like, well, it's a stupid TV movie. And again, they're like, people won't understand. We have to change this up to make it more palatable for people. Although there's kind of a history of that, mm-hmm. of uh, Captain America being changed a lot whenever he's ported over. The first film version of Captain America was in the uh, the old serials, I think in the, mm-hmm. I can't the remember 40s, if he was in the, yeah, in the 40s. And it's, n- not only is he like way different, he's a completely different guy. Captain America mm-hmm. is a lawyer, and I want to name, say his name's like, Garrett or something like that, like Bob Garrett, something weird. Well, like it's not even fucking close. This is the thing: is it's only recently that they've started trying to make superhero movies be like the comics. Yeah. And it's hilarious that it took them this long to think. Maybe the best way to translate these stories is to take exactly what's in these stories and just do that. It took them a long time to get there. I yeah. I think. I think DC's still not there yet. No, no, they're not. They're not. Like, in all honesty, they still haven't figured it out. Actually, that's, and I think that's probably the biggest cinematic failure that they have. Like, the biggest problem they have with their cinema is that they don't respect their characters. Um, and I think these older movies got away with it because they were a little more campy and cheesy, and they, were, they came out in an era when you didn't have a lot of options. So nobody was going to complain about your Captain America not being realistic because you couldn't go and like, you'd have to actually either read the comics or watch the show to know anything about them. Right. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't Google things back then and be like, wait a minute, was this shield see-through? I better double check that. Just do Google images for a shield. No, it's not see-through in the comics. <laughs> like, did we lose Doug? No. Did you? Oh, I thought you dropped off. Oh, it sounded like you were going to keep going, and then there was just silence. And I'm yeah. like, oh, is he done? Or? Sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah. Now, I can't I can't remember. It's It's been a minute since I watched part two. Uh, I know Christopher Lee was the bad guy, and then it's about, like, uh, he's this evil scientist guy who's created a serum that'll make you age more quickly. Woo-hoo. See, that's the only reason I even want to watch the second one. Like, this one was fun enough. Like I said, that it reminded me of the old Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man stuff. But uh, telling somebody, hey, Christopher Lee was in this Captain America movie from like 1980. It was like, oh, I definitely have to watch that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's happening. <laughs> uh, I also, if I remember correctly, so it still stars Reb Brown. It was mm. released the same year. But if I remember right, in the second movie... I think he plays his own son. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it doesn't make any fucking sense. I can't remember. There's something weird about it. Mm. But like I said, no, it's been father. a long time since I've seen it. And besides, so this movie, not, not super easy to get your hands on, although it's on Vudu. And I think you can also run it on like YouTube, Google Play, that kind of stuff. Mm. But part two, you got to buy this fucking DVD. Like, that's it. There's no... I tried really, really fucking hard, and there is no digital format to watch. Yeah, uh, but you can go on Amazon and get a copy of this, and, you know, this one in part two, for $6 on DVD. Yeah. 
So yeah, totally worth it. Yeah, it's good. It's a good buy for that amount of money. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, artifact from that time, post Superman the movie, where they were trying to figure out, all right, is are superheroes a thing now? Like, what do we got? What what can we do? So they were still trying to figure all that shit out. Marvel was trying so fucking mm-hmm. hard to get all these TV shows off the ground. Yeah. It's kind of weird how that's flipped. They, they were like, we don't understand it. The Hulk did so well. <laughs> well, the interesting thing I read is that uh, Red Brown at one of the Comic-Cons, like in like 2005 or something, stated that the plans were they were going to make some crossover movies with the live-action Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, but then it just never... These, these must not have done good enough, so they just never came to fruition. Man, could you imagine? Could you imagine an actual 1970s Avengers movie? <laughs> the thing is, it's like it would have worked. The worlds seem similar enough. Like I've seen the Spider-Man stuff. I remember the Hulk stuff, and mm. I've seen the trailers for this movie. It seems like you could combine them, and everything would be fine. You're not fine, well, but it would. It, it would be what it is. Yeah. Yeah, like it would be. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think it was like strange that they were doing that. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, uh, I almost wonder, because I mean, they did two movies, and I haven't seen the second movie yet, but I feel like they were trying to set it up like a Captain America like TV show, following our favorite format, because he does sort of acquire like a, a team that helps him out with stuff, and then yeah. it's almost, it's almost, does anybody remember, remember that TV show Street Hawk? Oh, sort of like Knight Rider, but sort of like Knight Rider, but the guy had a motorcycle instead of a car. Yeah. That's what this feels like. That Captain America would just travel around in his dope van, and then if he ran into some sort of trouble that needed to be investigated, of course, he would just jump on the motorcycle and be Captain America. Followed up with his his I don't know scientist friend that flew a helicopter. Oh, well, being a super chill dude, and he would do stuff like Captain America would jump off his bike onto like. I don't know, like other vehicles to chase the person down and would just radio his friend and be like, hey, I dumped my bike to get on this thing. He'd be like, oh, don't worry. My people are picking it up now because that totally happened in this movie. They actually put that level of thought into it? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And part two, you'd, you'd think that part two came a little while later. No. Same year. This was popular <laughs> enough that they immediately got funding and filmed the sequel. <laughs> yeah and so it's it's interesting like we mentioned his costume is kind of not good in this movie but then by the end he does don the Captain America suit that everybody is familiar with as far as the comic books and I will say Red Brown is in amazing shape in this movie so the suit is actual spandex but it actually does not look horrible because usually when you put superhero people in live action and spandex suits it looks terrible right and uh important note especially if you've watched uh <laughs> strike commando red brown's acting in this movie is is far superior than strike commando well i think they tailored it that's why he's the chill captain america right yeah the opening of him driving his van down to the beach where his friend works 
It was just like, yeah, man, got out of the Marines, which, number one, Captain America was in the Army. A real soldier would be pissed yeah. off there portraying him in the Marines. Yeah, you're right. That's where the problem is. <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting because Captain Marvel and Captain America refer to each other. She refers to him as Army, and he refers to her as Air Force. So it'll be interesting to see their play back and forth in live action movies. Nice. But but yeah, his whole thing is just like, oh, I just sit on the beach and I draw pictures. And you know what, dude? I'm thinking about just just driving around the country in my van and just that's where I'm gonna live for the next couple of years. I'm just like, when did Captain America turn into a hippie? Right. I like the fact that he really values people's input on his art too. He's like, What do you think of them? I think they're pretty good. <laughs> Sounds like that would have been the perfect cover if this did become a TV show, though, right? He could still say that's what he was doing. Nobody would know what the motorcycle in the back of the van. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was. It's very interesting to see. Like I said, nothing even remotely tying into the actual Captain America mythos, but yeah, interesting I, for a TV movie. I'd say the biggest, especially um, half. You know, because you have to compare it to modern superhero movies. There's no choice anymore. Now we have, mm-hmm. but I think the lack of a a good, firm like evil guy, yeah, hurts yeah. this movie a lot. Because it's just like a billionaire tech guy who wants to get a bomb. I don't even know what his motivation was, outside of oh, I really want this bomb. Like I know they're going to set it off, but what were they going to set it off for? I don't even remember. He has two motivations. Number one, set off the neutrino bomb and kill shit tons of people. Number two, mm-hmm. kill that super chill asshole. <laughs> How dare. How dare he be so mellow. Was that literally it? Like they had no other plans? I Not, not that I got... <laughs> Me neither. I'll, I'll be honest, this movie... <laughs> Me neither. And that's the weird thing is he wanted the bomb even before Steve Rogers like showed up on the scene. Yeah, and so it, what the fuck did he want the bomb for? And it, I don't. Some about the the flow of this movie, it like distracts you from the dialogue. Like mm-hmm. they start talking, and you're like, oh, "I'll shut the fuck up and go do something." Like <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> We're talking. Yeah. Yes, yes. Exposition, exposition. I don't, I don't care. Put put on the suit, grab that plastic shield, and let's uh, uh, walk across the top of a semi trailer. <laughs> Yeah, I also like that there was zero other characters from Captain America in this movie. It literally was just Steve Rogers, and that is it. No, like, Peggy Carter, no Bucky Barnes, literally Steve Rogers. Oh, this is insane. I'm telling you, Doug, you need to watch this movie. I I wanted to watch this movie. This is of the two. (laughs) This is the one I actually wanted to see. And I'm just literally not available in Canada. I kept Googling around and there was all these plates. Apparently you can't rent movies from Amazon.com if you don't live in the US and Voodoo doesn't work here. Son of a bitch. Even I even tried to order that two-pack but it wasn't going to come until next week. Mm. And they were going to charge me for shipping because I'm out of country. Oh, boo. Mm. Yeah. And they were going to charge three forty nine for shipping on a $6 item. <laughs> <laughs> Like no, the one I keep staring at is for like uh, I want to say like 
10 or $13 or something, I could get the Shout Factory release of the 1990 Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do need it. I need that in my life. That one's just on YouTube if you want. I almost watched it just and I was just going to pretend that I watched the wrong one by mistake. That was going to be my gimmick for the show, but then I didn't. Yeah, it is only twelve ninety nine. I may just order yeah. that. Yeah, it's nice and cheap. I keep staring at it, but I don't want to. I get paid tomorrow. I'll probably order it tomorrow. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 there even any special features? It's uh, a show factory release. It ought to have something on it. It says a uh, new interview looking back at Captain America with director Albert Payan. Payan. Whatever. Ah, uh, yes. Albert, what's his face? <laughs> his illustrious career. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, we well, will say uh, it's a recommend. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's, it's, a weird way. it's a really fucking easy recommend, too. If you like any of the 70s superhero stuff, you're going to like this one. It fits. It fits yeah. real neatly into that package of like the Spider-Man TV show or the Incredible Hulk or the Doctor Strange movie or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally worth it. I wish they would have done the crossover movies. Uh, that would have been a lot of fun. That would have been genius to see a crossover movie of all these characters. Yeah, but <laughs> the funny thing is, several of those actors are still alive. Just do it now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just old, just old Lou Ferrigno Hulk, <laughs> like old man Logan. They could do old man Logan with all the old seventies <laughs> Marvels actors. Spider Man falls and breaks his hip. Yeah. Uh, the Spider Verse killed off Spider Man at one point. I think these guys could have breaking his hip. It's the edited for television version of killing a guy. Jakarta. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, no uh, listener feedback this week, but um, I got distracted. So, <laughs> uh, no feedback this week, but uh, what did you guys watch since last week? Uh, first, I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest. I didn't watch a whole lot, guys. Really? I, I've been was... I've been real fucking busy. Yeah, uh, and pretty much I watched like I've started watching Arrested Development. Watched maybe the first four episodes or something like that, and that's besides the movies. That's all I've watched this week. This is gonna be a short episode because I did not watch Jack shit this week. Uh-oh. So Doug, it's all on you. Oh no! All oh, the pressure. Um, what do you guys think I watched this week? Uh, I thought I, I had not. time before I pulled up my list. <laughs> like, <laughs> you you I finally figured. did that deep dive into maple syrup porn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing as maple syrup porn. Joe Bob says you're wrong. You should Google it and find out. No. <laughs> there's Canadian watch lists too. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I got a few things I watched now that I've had time to look it up and we've got through that clever banter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
follow up to last week, uh, I talked about Death of Superman last week. Mm-hmm. So I did watch Reign of the Superman this week. Yeah. Uh, which is not nearly as good. Mostly because they have... I remember I said last week how good a job they did of playing off the fact that you knew who all these characters were and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're in a world where they have to introduce all these new characters. Yeah, gotcha. You don't know who they are, and it's much harder to do. Um, so, the, I mean, the basic plot is six months after Superman's death, the there's these I think, four or five wannabe Superman running around saving the day all the time. People aren't sure what to make of them. Are they good guys? Are they Should they be trusted? Um, we get a backstory for each of them none of which are particularly well thought out except for the one that is a clone that's being controlled by Lex Luthor. Mm. Uh, big reveal is that it was, uh, what's his name, Darkseid, that sent the beast down that killed Superman, and now these guys have to fight him, but he creates an army for them to have to fight. Yada, yada, yada. But I mean, the, this movie just kind of lacked a lot of the emotional impact because you don't have time to get to know any of these individual characters. Uh, most of the Justice League is shipped off Earth for most of the movie, so you don't get that joy of dealing with those guys. Like you know, you don't get a lot of time with Batman and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which you, know, you have Batman. You have in this movie, in these movies, Green Lantern is uh, Nathan Fillion. So it's like you've got mm-hmm. these likable characters, but you're not really spending time with them. You're spending time with these other guys who you don't know, and none of them are like none of them are bad. Um, do they do they do the arc of uh, him getting completely broken? Of who getting completely Superman? No, Green Lantern. No. In in the comic books mm-hmm. during that era, something happens, and it pretty much like Hal Jordan goes insane because of it. Oh yeah, yeah. that's uh, Doomsday destroyed Coast City, and then that was the start of him going nuts and becoming paralyzed. Well, not not Doomsday, it's uh, Cyborg Superman. Cyber, Cyber, oh, Superman, what's Cyborg whenever Superman. he becomes right. the, uh, whatever they call him, the Annihilator or whatever, starts going nuts. Yeah, they don't get into that. Um, yeah. Because basically, they're trying to rush through the storyline, introduce all these new Supermen, have the have the battle ensue, and then have the resurrection of Superman with the black suit, the long hair, and the stubble beard join the fight and have him trying to figure out how to how to be part of the team when he doesn't have his powers back yet and stuff and it's just it's just too much for like an 80 minute cartoon basically maybe it should have been a trilogy of movies yeah the death and then the reign of superman and then the return of superman maybe that probably would have been better and then you could have taken time yeah you almost need like like 15 or 20 minutes with each of these superman characters so that they matter Mm -hmm. uh and you don't have time for that in this movie so it's still kind of fun to watch but it was much more of just a like a weird cartoon comic booky movie than it was an actually like a good quality film yeah which is kind of unfortunate i mean out of out of all those extra characters the only two that people probably if they are casual comic book people might recognize is steel and uh oh you mean from that uh shack movie same character, I know. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen the Shack movie, believe it or not. So me neither. I uh, I don't want to. John, John Henry Irons. <laughs> yeah, really good comic book character. Really bad Shack movie. 
Is there a good Shaq movie out there that you can compare it to? So I have. <laughs> what's what's, the, what's the one that he plays the genie? Uh, Kazam. Yeah, not that one. Covers <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. I still need to watch the death of Superman, and I definitely want to see this movie too. Yeah, and like if you're a fan of these of these cartoon movies, like you're watching yeah. it, it was kind of fun, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I don't know. Like, I I find with the with the the cartoon movies, it's hard to get into the action necessarily. So you sort of have to like the characters and the storyline. And this movie just has too much storyline, not enough characters, and relies too heavily on the action sequences for my taste. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that uh that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. It was still like I said, I don't regret watching it. But yeah. it's uh not not nearly as enjoyable as the last one. I'm also a big fan of uh Nathan Fillion as Hal Jordan. You've if you've watched any of the other Green Lantern animated movies, he usually does the voice, so he's usually really good at it. Oh, yeah. I don't think I have watched any of the other ones with him doing the voice. Oh. So. Yeah, they got First Flight, which is the uh, origin story. Um, then they got Emerald Knights, which is like an anthology, which is one you definitely want to watch. Emerald uh, Knights is awesome. Um, I mean, there's you know some that are some stories that are better than others. But uh, he's basically like the narrator explaining something to like a new Green Lantern recruit and telling them stories of the Green Lantern Corps. And so it's just a bunch of random Green Lantern stories. But one of them is a classic story written by Alan Moore of a, a hunter that wants to fight a killer Green Lantern and goes looking for one called Mogo. And so he goes to this planet looking for him and the badass dude that shows up to fight him is voiced by Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Right, so, watch it. No, you don't. I'm going to yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yep, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't, nothing I can say can top that. I just want to end the show now or what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you guys want to hear about more stuff I watched? Sure. Uh, have you guys heard of a film called The Endless? Yes. Yeah. I believe I've talked about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah, like a long time. Like right, I think even before the Blu-ray came out, because they sent me some screener copies. All and right. some copies to give away, which uh, I never did. So. Oh, well, that explains why I didn't hear about it because you didn't give a copy to me. Oh shit! <laughs> Sounds like it's time for a giveaway. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, so basic plot to remind people who aren't Brian is two brothers that. Are, have escaped from a UFO death cult, decide to go back and pay a visit to their friends that are still in the cult, and that's enough of a hook to get me interested in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where the movie kind of lost me, and this is more of one of those things of my expectations not meeting what I saw, is that basically when you get back there, um, there ends up being supernatural slash alien things going on. And I was looking for more of a movie about a cult, like where, like I was hoping that they'd end up getting chased around by cult members trying to kill them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends up being more of a weird, like I say, supernatural. I, I don't know, like there's all these time loops that go on, and some of the people haven't aged, and all this other kind of stuff. And 
it kind of lost me in the second half. It was definitely interesting, um, but I was it was it wasn't what I was looking for. So it kind of, I kind of had trouble following it because it's a very kind of slow, deliberative movie. Um, kind of very cerebral. Expects you to be paying a lot of attention. Uh, and I just found I definitely thought it was a bit too long, and it was. So it's like it's one of these low budget movies where it's you know directed and written by the two main actors that are playing the two brothers that are go back to this cult um which isn't a bad thing necessarily but i didn't find either of them particularly compelling on screen so when they start arguing amongst themselves i didn't care um so yeah it didn't really work for me i don't did you end up liking it right or I remember enjoying it, but it, yeah, the the sort of the shenanigans at the camp or whatever gets a little old after a while, and I feel like there's definitely not enough mystery. They could have done more of that, yeah, rather than just showing up and like, oh shit, some of this stuff may be real, so maybe this cult was correct, and. If you kind of stretch that out, which is funny considering we were talking about how it drags a little bit, but if you stretch that mystery out more, I figured I think it would do better. I think you want, in, if you're going to have a movie about people who escape from a cult revisiting the cult and then the cults, their beliefs are true, I think you want that to be a twist ending, not a review mm-hmm. that comes, I don't know, halfway through the movie or whenever it comes. Yeah. Um, so you, you want them to get back there and for them to you want it to take a while for them to realize what's what's going on because once there's like okay there's real aliens or whatever now what like now yeah. and then they start doing these time loop things and the brothers are the whole time arguing about one wants to stay and one wants to try and leave and it's like I don't I kind of got in New Orleans, I don't really care if they stay or leave, and they spend a lot of time talking about it. So, mm. uh, neat ideas. I'd be curious to see what these guys can do next, kind of thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm a fan of them. Uh, they did a movie called Spring a couple years ago. Okay, yeah. and that I really liked. Yeah, sort of a very Lovecraftian type movie. Yeah. Um, and they were on a podcast, I think it was shockwaves who i plug all the time um i think they were on there and they were talking that this movie actually came out of the fact that they have projects set up with uh different studios that they're working on and that of course in hollywood everything goes like a glacier's pace so they decided fuck it let's just while we're waiting for that stuff to resolve itself why don't we uh make another movie on our own. Okay. And this is kind of what came out of it. Yeah. So. I'm trying not to be too harsh in this movie because I liked a lot of the elements of it. It just didn't mm. overall work for me. And I think yeah. I think some of that is expectation and some of that is just, you know, the movie they were making is not necessarily the movie I wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a lot of promise. And like, if I didn't realize these were the same guys that made Spring, I just watched this on its own. Because mm. Spring was really good. So yeah. I can see then, you know, if they can get in there and have have people to work with to help make the movies move at a better pace and 
you know, I think they could actually, there's a lot of potential here. So, yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, they're definitely like a filmmaking team that it's basically, if I know they're involved with something, I'm immediately interested to see what it is. Yeah. So even the, even if this was the only movie of theirs that I'd seen, I think I would still want to know what they did next mm-hmm. um, and want to see what they could do with different material because yeah. it's not, I mean, okay, so I don't really love the time loop idea that they get into in this movie where they start like seeing these people relive the same moments over and over again and stuff. But it's not a bad idea, but it's crammed in with all this other stuff. So it's just like yeah. too much. Yeah. And so with that having been said, like it, if you're really into that idea and you think it's really cool, then you're going to want to watch it happening. And if they're, if their next idea is something that I think is really cool, I can see them executing it well. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no idea if that means I recommend the movie to people or not. So <laughs> hopefully there's no follow-up questions. Well, I mean, it looks like they got two other, uh, well, he's just a producer, I guess. They at least have like another movie called Synchronic, and it's in post production. Says on IMDb. Okay. So, and of course, there's no description of what the movie is. So they at least have another movie that's in post production. So I'm totally interested yeah, well, in whatever that is. So hopefully you'll remind me when that comes available and I'll watch it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll forget again like I did after spring when I said I want to follow them and then happen to have coincidentally watched this one not knowing that I was following up on my own recommendations. <laughs> what else did I watch? Oh, I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary because I needed a little pick-me-up. Yeah. <laughs> needed to see something a little happier. Uh, yeah, I bought it and I still haven't watched it yet. Okay, it... It is like it's definitely a fluff piece. It definitely it just wants Mr. everyone to think Mr. Rogers is the greatest guy ever. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I think he just might be. So I was gonna say it's a fluff piece on Mr. Rogers, which is yeah. just like, well, yeah, that's just that's just any piece of Mr. Rogers, really. Because it is, it is just this guy who just sees like watching television, going, "We should use this to make life better for children and help them be happy." And it's like, I don't, you could argue against that, I guess. And there is, at the end of the movie, they get into some of the, like, quote-unquote controversies surrounding Mr. Rogers. And it is literally people being, like, upset with him because he's like, can you believe that he taught children to have self-worth and that they don't have to, that they should just be considered to be worthy human beings just for being alive and not because they had to earn it? And it's like, yeah, you should maybe teach your kids that. Like, it is, it's what's wrong with the world today is that people don't watch enough Mr. Rogers, man. Like, yes, all human beings have inherent value. I, uh, I didn't know that was a controversial statement, yeah. but apparently it is in 2019. You know, so yeah, I go. just, I just remember seeing like, I mean, I remember watching when I was little, but just like on Facebook, you'll just see sort of like memes going around of like video from Mr. Rogers. And he's just saying stuff that's like, that like you hear people talking about today, but he was saying it like back in the seventies. Yeah. Just about like, yeah, like you're important because you are you and nobody else is you. And that's very important. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, I know people have tried to twist that into like, Oh, you don't have to accomplish anything. And it's like the, they, they kind of group it in with that. Like 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, what do you call it, like participation trophy, everybody's a winner type attitude. Yeah. But it's not that. It's literally him just saying, like, yeah, you're you're a unique individual. You should be treated with respect and dignity just because you're a human being. That's not the same thing as saying you shouldn't work hard and shouldn't try to accomplish things in life. Mm-hmm. It's just saying even if you even if you were to fail at everything, you still deserve to be treated with dignity. And I, I don't know how you turn that into a negative message. But there's a lot, there's like a lot of neat stuff too, because like in this documentary, I, I saw a lot of Mr. Rogers growing up and a lot of it was reruns from well before I was born. And so I didn't necessarily see it in context, but there's like, there's a scene it's pretty famous now of him like washing his feet in the pool and mm-hmm. like this police officer shows up and they wash their feet together. And I didn't realize until now that when he put that on the air on children's television, that that was at a time when black people were protesting for the right to swim in whites only pools. And so he just goes ahead and does that right on the air. Like, just like, yeah, here's me in my little backyard, dipping my feet in my pool. And I'm just going to invite, uh, you know, whatever the character's name is that happens to be a black guy, bring him in and you put your feet in too. And then we, you share a towel and everything. And you're just sending this really, really positive message out to kids without ever like yeah. saying that, Hey, like he's not lecturing. He's not saying you guys should be nicer to black people. He's just doing it so that they can see it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just, I don't think I understood the context of everything that, I saw previously of his. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely need to watch it. Like I said, I bought it on Vudu. Just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. Now talking about it, I think is going to push me to maybe watch it this weekend. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, part of that is just the era I grew up in too. Is like we're yeah back when you were only allowed to watch like for us it was channel two and channel 12 those are the two that the kids were allowed to watch whatever they wanted on those two channels and everything else was like the in between there was like the grown-up channels <laughs> so we were uh mr rogers was one that was on all the time and it was it's nice to know that there isn't really a scandal about him mm-hmm. they do definitely humanize him a bit there are some of the some of the stagehands in that and that will tell stories about like you know, a little bit more off-color joking and humorous side of him that wouldn't have obviously been appropriate in kids' kids television. Um, so there's one story of like the one guy. This is a this is a minor spoiler, but this is the one story of the one guy who would because uh, it's like the '70s or whatever. And he, if somebody left their camera around, he would take a picture of uh, his own ass so that when they went to get their film developed, that would be on there. And he did that to Mr. Rogers, and he like kept waiting for the response. And Mr. Rogers doesn't fucking uh, doesn't say anything to him until Christmas when he presents him with a poster of his own ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the kind of like it's just like adult enough humor mm. that I'm like I'm glad to know he had that in him, but it's not. You know, it's it's not sleeping the yeah. It's immediately after leaving the Mr. Rogers set type adult. It's yeah, totally. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I know they're doing a biopic on him, and of course Tom Hanks is playing him. Of course, and that I'm seems just, like a no-brainer, doesn't it? That's what I told like my wife. I'm just like, well, of course Tom Hanks is playing him. I'm like, really think about it. Who else in the world could play Mr. Rogers yeah, other than Tom Hanks? Like when they and announced the the biopic, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a good idea, Tom. All right, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I stand corrected. 
but yeah, I don't know. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're in like our age group, like I'm 40. Um, um, that's about right. That's who. That's about the age you want to be. Probably a little older too. It would work um, for people who were watching these shows when they were originally aired. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the kids that grew up in the SpongeBob era would appreciate <laughs> Mr. Rogers, but I think the world would be a better place if they did. Like, why are we watching a short film about how they make crayons? I don't care. <laughs> it's, where's the what? Why is a train going through the wall into a magic puppet land? Why? why don't they just CGI all this? What the hell? Why is there an actual train? <laughs> These puppets are terrible. Yes. That one with the red cheeks is terrifying. All the puppets are objectively terrifying. I'll say that. That's true. I was going to say, it was the one part of Mr. Rogers' show I didn't like. I thought those puppets were just disturbing. <laughs> well, no. All puppets are inherently disturbing. That's why there's so many horror movies about them coming to life. <laughs> it's just how it is. I mean, except for Muppets. Muppets are adorable. Muppets are also quite disturbing from time to time. I don't know. What's the name of that giant one, Sweetie? I was always terrified of that one. Yeah. The thing with Muppets is there's such a variety that there's one that will scare everybody. There's One of these has appeared in all of your nightmares. It just depends who you are, which one showed up in your nightmares. Which also makes me really want to watch that uh, Dave Chappelle stand-up bit about what everyone's mean to Oscar because he's like, they keep calling him a grouch. It's like, listen, a garbage can and nobody will help him out. Nobody goes over there and does anything for the guy. You see that one? Yeah. It ends with him being like, no wonder kids grow up to hate the homeless. They're just stepping over a guy in the street. Get a job, grouch. <laughs> I did see the meme that uh, apparently it's like Sesame Street's going to introduce a new homeless character. And then, you know, shows the top picture of, this, I don't know, a little girl or whatever puppet. And then it cuts on the bottom. It's a picture of Oscar. It's like, who do you think I am, bitch? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I don't. Know, I also watched Life of Brian this week. I don't know what there is to say about that one. Monty Python is just genius, and every time I watch it, I realize how genius it is. But one of them is out promoting a new book right now, and it's like, well, I'm not going to read because I don't think Monty Python's going to be funny to read. But I will rewatch the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I worked at a. PBS station here in town, which uh, do you have PBS up there? Yeah, Doug? yeah. When I said we were allowed to watch channels two and twelve, twelve was PBS. Okay, I didn't know if they called it PBS or if they called it something. Else. Well, I think it's I, I think uh, we just pick up the American feed. Here. Oh, oh I, I was I was getting ready to say it's probably the same, but there's actually has funding. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I used to work for a PBS station here. It was like a part time gig in uh next to you know my full-time job working at a different tv station but uh one of my shifts we were airing a couple episodes of monte python every night and that was always, always the most enjoyable part of my shift is when I, it was basically it was my job to sit for an hour and watch monte python that'd be great the thing is their their humor is just it works on the dumb slapstick level and then the minute you start thinking about it just a little bit, you're like, oh, it's really smart humor as well. And it was the same joke. How do they pull that off? <laughs> it's like these jokes have layers to them. I love it. So depending on which mood you're in, you can enjoy it on a different level. 
plus I I went to a Catholic high school, so Life of Brian is just the perfect mm-hmm. movie for a frustrated fifteen year old who's never heard of Monty Python and somebody goes, You should watch this. Like that was the perfect movie for me back in the day. And it, it has a nostalgia value to it now. <laughs> Do you uh did you ever see the letter that some kid got from John Cleese about getting an autograph? Probably not. No, I don't think so. So it was like posted, I don't know, I just read it a couple years ago. But apparently this kid uh, wrote John Cleese asking for an autograph. And he got a letter back from him that was typed. That <laughs> said, I am obviously way too important and way too busy to send you an autograph. And it just like went on and on. Like this like three paragraphs long of how important he was and uh, how busy he was. And he didn't have time for such petty requests and like all this stuff. And then at the at the bottom, you know, signed John Cleese. P.S. Enjoy the enclosed eight by ten signed autograph. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, that's perfect. That's so much better than just somebody. Then, like you, you know that most people will send it. You send you an autograph, and it's just some guy at a desk signing a million pictures at once. Somebody else stuffing them in envelopes. It's like. Oh, yeah, I respect those guys. <laughs> yeah, I just remember. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, this kid Matthew. Uh, this kid Matthew sent him a letter, and John Cleese responded with, "Dear Matthew, I'm afraid I'm much too important to write notes to people like you. Please remember that I'm very, 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 very underlined, very important. However, there is there is no John Cleese fan club, parentheses, despite my importance." Because they are all they were all murdered in nineteen eighty three by the Michael Palin's fan club. Uh I enclose a photograph to remind you of my importance. Very sincerely, John Cleese. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> just like that's amazing. That would be hanging on my wall for the rest of my life if I got that. <laughs> when that when that went public, how many people do you think wrote in for autographs hoping they'd all get the same kind of thing? <laughs> and then he's like, ah oh, fuck. All right. Did you watch anything else? Uh, one more thing, and probably the best okay. thing I watched. I finally got around to a movie that's been on my to watch list since 1990. Shockma, aka Shockma. yeah, aka oh, yeah. Killer Monkey, locked in, in a building with a bunch of nerds who are doing live action role playing. <laughs> um, yeah. A bunch of nerds who are all medical students and their professor played by Roddy McDowell, who I did not know was in this until I started watching the movie and I got so excited to find out he was in it. <laughs> this movie is Die Hard with a Monkey and I didn't even know that until I turned it on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. obviously I'm going to like a movie about a killer monkey locked in a room with a bunch of med students. Excuse me, sir. I do believe it is a baboon. Yes, it is a baboon. <laughs> I have a tendency to group all the various uh, ape family members together. So, yeah. Killer baboon running around killing uh, killing med students. I mean, I could get into a more detailed plot description, but there isn't one. It's essentially a slasher movie with the baboon as the killer. Um, the makeup effects in this movie are fantastic. That being said, the special effects are a bit lacking. So what you get a lot of is a monkey jumping at a guy. 
and then you go ah and he falls off screen and then you cut to the body laying there and the body looks great but we didn't get to see him get killed <laughs> uh probably the highlight of the movie for me was when uh, so roddy mcdowell's character has been killed and he's killed in an elevator and people are upstairs and they're pushing the button but the elevator won't come because the door keeps hitting his body <laughs> and you're like oh well that's unfortunate they're just going to do that to his body for the rest of the movie eh? but then when they finally get down there they see him and they run and they grab him they pull him in the next room and they're like oh no he's dead right so they cover him with a sheet but then later when they're leaving they need to leave the door open so that they can get back into the room they totally prop the door open with his dead body's foot. <laughs> I'm like, that is fantastic. That's exactly what should be happening in this movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's from 1990, so it's got that 1990 low-budget acting in it, which is an issue. Um, but who cares, because they're getting stalked by a killer baboon. It, there is one really cool special effect shot of like it's kind of like POV from the monkey, but not quite. So you can see the monkey's mouth, and he's open. He's got you can see his teeth, and there's blood dripping off him. And I'm like, oh, they should use that shot more because it's really cool. Which made me a little disappointed that we didn't get to see it more. Um, like I say kills aren't great, but the special the makeup effects on the bodies are cool. And the one body that he can, the monkey kind of keeps alive and keeps going back to, that's fun. Because <laughs> the guy just keeps getting worse and worse off. So, uh, it's implied, I think, that the monkey's eating part of the dead body as well, which is a nice touch. Didn't you and Scott cover this? Or did you and Scott say you wanted to cover this? We wanted to. I um, never got around to it. We got around to it. Because we, when we did our Killer Monkeys of the 1980s episode, we had to eliminate this one because it was from 1990. Ah, uh, that's what it was. So... So I thought I heard you talk about it before, but okay. You guys have never... This movie would be... It would pair up great with Link, which is one we did talk about. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what it was. You were talking about Link, and then you're like, yeah, there's been this movie I wanted to watch. Something like that. So, yeah. And then we did do a Killer Baboon movie at that time as well. Uh, Some, But it was like groups of Killer Baboons, not individual Killer Baboons. So Mm -hmm. can't remember what it was called. It's yeah, not Shockma, that's all that matters. Everybody should watch Shockma, and everybody should go back and watch Link, now that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. It's just a subtle reminder, that's that's uh, the girl from Karate Kid and the bad guy from Superman 2 fighting a monkey in, yeah. <laughs> in a giant mansion in England. So, if, if you need to be told the second time to go watch that movie, that's a problem that you have. And you <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen Link, and I definitely remember that Elizabeth Shue takes a bath and there's the the insinuation that Link is watching through the skylight. And so, of course, I'm just like, oh, she's sort of almost naked. Like, this is the best thing in the entire world. And then then, exactly what the monkey was thinking at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Link is fantastic. I should rewatch that again, too. It's it's really good because that monkey is, like, wearing clothes and smoking and stuff, which is... Always great. And this, oh, I should mention in Chocolates, none of this is really the monkey's fault. They do an experiment where they inject something into its brain, and they're like, hopefully this will have the impact of completely reducing his aggression. Of course, in rare cases, it has the opposite impact. <laughs> there's your whole explanation as to why there's a killer monkey. 
followed by we're going to take over this building to do live action role playing, followed by the monkey will run around and kill us all while we play our game. Hmm. We need more killer monkeys. I, dude, I'm sold on that. Because there's really only, like, there's Link, there's Shockma, and there, what was the George Romero one about the helper monkey? Monkey Shines? Yeah, but that one wasn't very good, which is problematic. Because mm. it, it's such a great idea. It just, mm. the execution wasn't quite there. I don't know if they didn't. I haven't seen it in a while, but. No, it's just, I mean, it's hard to translate. The only thing that makes the monkey terrifying is the fact that the guy's paralyzed and can't defend himself against the monkey. <laughs> well, also a killer monkey is inherently terrifying because they're kind of human-like. Yeah, but his scary. He's got, but he's got a little bitty monkey. It's he's, like, got, he's got a Reese's monkey, monkey, so it's a little, little hard. It's easier to deal with, even though it would be really very quick and very fast. You could still just grab him and throw him across the room if you needed to. I guess, yeah. But I'm picturing or, that uh, that segment from Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, where the guy was like fighting a cat for the entire segment and kept losing. Yeah. And that guy had guns, so I assume a monkey is smarter than a cat. Probably. Well, I mean, if that if that monkey dives down your throat and fucks up your innards, <laughs> I would watch that too. Yeah, that sounds great. See, the problem is I don't think we'll ever get movies like this again because now, a we treat animals with a lot more respect than we used to, and b they would just CGI it, and that would take a lot of the fun out of a movie like this. Mm-hmm, yeah. <sighs> so I don't know. I I highly recommend everybody watch Shockma. It was it was pretty fun. I mean, you can't even hot glue gun a shrew costume onto a Rottweiler anymore. <laughs> the crazy things that are frowned upon. I believe in Link they actually took one kind of monkey and painted him a different color, so he'd look like a different kind of monkey. I'll look that up one day. I mean, I could do it right now, but I'm not going to. I'll look it up a different day. Bring it up again later on the show. Which means we'll forget and never talk about it again. That's what I was getting at there, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you spell Shockma? Uh, correctly. S-H-A... I'm looking it up, because this I will look up, because I don't want to get it wrong. S-H-A-K-M-A. Shockma. K-M-A. Trying to look it up on Amazon. It wasn't, uh, I watched it. Pulling it. Up. There we go. I watched it through 2B TV. It was available for free there. So Yeah. Yep. I will probably watch it on that then because the Blu-ray is $43. Okay, that's... When I say recommend, I didn't recommend spending $43 on this <laughs> no, no. movie. But that's I was looking at Amazon in case it was like streaming on Amazon yeah. Prime or something. But nope, just... I mean, DVD for $14 and then Blu-ray for 43 Still too much. Still too much for an I don't know movie. Yeah, especially when it's available for free on the internet. Yeah. So I, I love that we live in a world now where there's just a bunch of horror movies and stuff just available. You just just go search and they're just available out there for free. You just watch wherever you want. Pretty much anything that's public domain is available for free somewhere. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Okay, next week. Uh, we decided to sort of return to the superhero genre. Maybe sort of. Um, I would say definitely. 
more like the uh, sort of the pulp heroes genre. Let's put it that way. Um, so first off, we're going to be talking about the Warren Beatty led Dick Tracy with uh, some awesome makeup and uh, lots of actors such as Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino. I'm going to have to dig out my sweet McDonald's communicator watch. I forgot that that had Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can you even imagine having a watch that you could just, like, talk to somebody else through? That's that's insanity. That is insanity. He said a a two-way radio. There's no way they could fit that in there. (laughs) We live in the future, everybody. Uh, I'm going to follow that up with the Sam Raimi-directed and Liam Neeson-led Darkman, which uh, I did not really think of the context of it until after I picked it. And now Liam Neeson's in a movie called Darkman. I want the fucking elephant. (laughs) And I also went through a period of my life where I did not like black people. <laughs> uh, I'm going to scour the uh, bonus features in the DVD to see if I can find anything where you just badmouth black people. I don't think it's on there, but maybe the uh, commentary track. I got the uh, Scream Factory edition of Darkman, so there's all kinds of special features. I'm sure Liam Neeson's just rattling off about how much he hates black people. <laughs> Still the strangest thing. It's like it is. nobody asked you about that. <laughs> uh, so there's gonna be lots of uh, lots of searching through the movie to see if there's any racist stuff from next week. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. That's that's our plan for next week. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident there's got to be something racist about Dick Tracy too. All those conversations. Oh, yeah characters one of them's going to be a racist caricature i was i was getting ready to say besides the fact that i don't think there is a single ethnic person in the entire movie (laughs) well al pacino is some kind of ethnic he plays all sorts of different ones so yeah um i was gonna say it's interesting because when i was looking through because it was my pick this week so when i was looking through movies i'm just like Oh yeah, I'd like to watch Dark Man and Dick Tracy. That'd be fun. <laughs> and then realize, oh yeah, Liam Neeson's kind of relevant right now. That's crazy. Why does being relevant matter to us? It doesn't, but it's just our Valentine's people... Day episode is all about Brett Brown. <laughs> this is people are gonna be like, oh yeah, you're talking about Liam Neeson. He's a racist now, right? And then, uh, of course, I didn't even realize till we got to here. That, yeah, Liam Neeson being a racist in a movie called Dark Man. Uh, that's a giant coincidence. Well, what could go wrong? <laughs> At least he's not in part two, Die Dark Man, Die. <laughs> that would be really inappropriate. Yeah. Mandy, Mandy Patinkin's also in Dick Tracy. I forgot all about that. <sighs> See, Noah's all excited for Dick Tracy. We were talking about how racist Liam Neeson is. I'm I, trying to ignore it. I really, really <laughs> like Liam Neeson. He's not racist now. He was racist before he got famous. And none of us needed to know, but now we do. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. 
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.